In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, it is a proclamation of, from Isaiah that Jesus reads whenever he is in the temple and beginning his ministry. But in the first parts of the uh, book of Isaiah, we find him being, um, what can I say, um, of uh, <laughs> very scathing, how about that? He's very scathing in his, his approach to the, to the people of Israel for their backsliding, for their indifference, for their lack of um, attending to the house of God and, and so on. He just, is, just really gets into them on this, on this, uh, in the first parts of the book. But in the second part of the book, it's words of comfort. He brings the words of comfort, and it's, and it's something how that Jesus then, as he was beginning his ministry, we see him reading this in the synagogue. And in Isaiah chapter 61, it begins, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Now, as we look at this, I, I entitled this, the title that is in, even in the, the Bible here, it says, The Year of the Lord's Favor. And so I entitled this, The Lord's Favor. Now, sometimes, do you ever, when you were in your family growing up, were you your mother and father's favorite child? Nah, you know what everybody was, huh? huh? How, many were, how many were your favorite, how many was your mom and dad's favorite child? Tracy was, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. We got some admitters here, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah Rhonda's an only child, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Tracy too, so. I know I was my mom and dad's favorite. I was their only one, yeah, so, <laughs> I didn't have to know I was my mom and dad's favorite child. All my brothers told me, you know. <laughs> they told me, you're just mom's favorite. And uh, my in-laws, you know, they're my brother's wives, always said, you know, you're your mother's favorite. So um, it's because I was better than the rest, you know. It's just one of those things. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's many ways that to, well, I followed in the path. My mother always wanted to be a missionary. And when she was, a, when she was in her teens, uh, she, she felt that God wanted her to be a missionary, but, you know, they got married and, you know, settled on the farm and went into farming, and so she never really got to go to a foreign field. But she kept her missions, you know, in, in, the, in the local community. But I was thinking about how privileged for myself that I, that I am, because my grandparents, both of them, uh, were very strong, staunch Christians, my grandmother was uh, a preacher. She was a fill-in uh, at uh, a number of churches, and um, it, she would, it was told that if she were preaching, you better not have any hidden sin in your life because she's going to tell you about it. So <laughs> she was just one of those hellfire and brimstone type of people. And uh, my, of course, my uh, uncles and uh, so on, they would... Uh, they kind of disagreed with her wrath of righteousness upon them because <laughs> uh, my one uncle would say that he, she got, he got beat every Saturday morning whether he needed it or not. But if you knew my uncle, he probably needed it. Uh, you know, he was, he was a terror. And so my, my grandmother and grandfather were very, uh, very much in the church and, and very much a part of the church and, 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 you know, Christians. And then my parents, of course, were, were Christians, and mom and dad both, and raised in the church, and then, then for, you know, Rhonda and I, of course, we've been Christians for a long time, at least three weeks, and, uh, 
So, uh, and so we've been a Christian. Then, then I think of our son, you know, and our daughter, and David and his ministry. So there are like four generations from my grandparents to my parents to me to David Michael, our, our son. Four generations of, of Christians and four generations of how that God has changed our family. And I often repeat or talk about my, my mom there when we go to the cemetery on, uh, on Memorial Day uh, and for the graves, you know, and decorate the graves. My, my, my mom would never allow us to go to this one cemetery where the one relative was, was born or was buried. She, um, she was, this is about the 18, 1890s, 95 and turn of the century. She had five kids and never had the, and they were all the same last name, McGee, and she was never married. So, <laughs> so you know, she was, and I told my mom, she was kind of embarrassed by all that. And I said, Mom, look what happened when God came into our family. You know, look what happens when God comes into your family. And you see, whether it's you have generations of following Christ or you're the first, it doesn't matter. It matters only that the favor of God, the sovereign Lord, his, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you. The Sovereign Lord, the Spirit of God is on you. And, you know, you, you can't get to church, you can't get to heaven by osmosis. Set close to a Christian and it just kind of rubs, flows in. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't get there by setting by a religious person. It gets there by Christ being in your life. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, about this week, I was called to um, uh, go to a, a home in which the person wanted to be baptized. And they are in a very declining position physically, but they, they wanted to be baptized. And of course, I wasn't going to haul them out of the house in a wheelchair and dump them in the river or in a bed or in a bathtub. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to do that to them. So I said, sure, we can, I can baptize you. And I went there, and I went out in the kitchen, got a glass of water. <laughs> and I, no, I didn't throw it on her, <laughs> him. I just, you know, told them, well, before we baptize, you know, you've got to make your heart right with God. Make sure we're going to heaven. And they said, well, I, I confess my sin every night. And I said, that's good. Let's just do it one more time. And so we prayed the sinner's prayer. I took the water, sprinkled on her, and baptized her or him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that person started to smile and to laugh and to say how free they felt and how wonderful they felt on the inside. And that's what we're all about. Christ's revelation of himself. And you see, that sovereign Lord is on each of our lives. He has anointed us. What, what has he got there? Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. To the spiritually bankrupt, we are the ones who are called to bring the good news of what God has said and what God has done for us. Did you ever meet a sour, 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 <laughs> Christian, <laughs> someone that just can't get their, whatever, get themselves out of the way long enough to allow God to touch them. Uh, you see, the good news that we have is good news. And that good news has a way of influencing our approach to living. The good news has a, a valuable input to who we are such as 
what happens in life that God is not able to see you through? That what sin in our life is there that cannot be forgiven? You see, it, it isn't our failures, and it isn't our inadequacies. It is the Spirit of God touching our spirit that we are able to become what God wants us to be. That we have good news. And if we have good news, you know, we get a, <laughs> if you turn on the television every Saturday or every evening, what do we have? We have the news. And very seldom is there any good news. Because the only thing worthy of news is something that is tragic or something has gone wrong or the world is falling apart and the economy is going to fail and somebody has killed someone else and somebody has stolen something. So you can summarize the news in about four or five categories. It's something devastating has happened to someone's life and we want to tell you about it. And that's, you know, in the newspaper, you know, generally the same thing. Because if there were a lot of good things there, it wouldn't sell. People won't buy good news. You know, the only, sometimes the only magazines that, you know, the Reader's Digest is a good news, but we got to make it short and small, uh, simple and to the point. Because if you want to read it, it's got to be short and simple to the point. But you see, the good news that we have is good news that no matter where we find ourselves, God is there. No matter what situation is coming, there is a promise. No matter where we are at, God is there with a promise, and he has given us the good news. And Jesus, whenever he was beginning his ministry, picked this, picked this scroll up, turned to this rolled it out to this portion and says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to the spiritually bankrupt people. There are people who are spiritually bankrupt. Now, to those who are bankrupt, a few coins means a lot. A, a contribution, contribute, contribution to, their, to those who are physically bankrupt a few dollars or a, a sum of money deposited into their life has a, has a great impact on them. I remember the story of a, a, a young man who was down on his luck and uh, everything had gone wrong and this minister saw him and walked up to him and gave him a $100 bill and said, get back on course and start your life over again. <laughs> and to that bankrupt person, not only physically but spiritually bankrupt person, they turned their life around because somebody believed in them. And you see, when people are spiritually bankrupt, when people are emotionally bankrupt, when people have no hope, we come with a gift. And the gift we are bearing comes from God. And that gift that God has given to us, we are to share. Because we have the good news of eternal life. We have the good news that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We have the good news that I, am, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the good news. See, this is the good news that comes to my life. Every day, every moment of every day, the good news is there. And Jesus quoted these verses to impact the people and he says today this is fulfilled in your hearing 
So Jesus quoted this. Jesus put this together. And he was sent, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoner. That's salvation. That is letting and getting out of that, that um, darkness of being lost. He tells them that, that he has come to heal the brokenhearted. Those who have been devastated by life, those who have found themselves in a very dark place. Do you know where light shines the brightest is in darkness? <laughs> so if you just have a little light in a dark setting, you, you're a big help. You know, I uh, remember going uh, caving. Did you ever go caving? Spelunking? In college, and we used to do this down in West Virginia. And uh, we'd get back in these caverns, you know, and, and they'd have lights out. <laughs> you talk about darkness. You get back in these caverns and places, there's, there's no light coming from anywhere. And even, even the animals, the fish and things that live back in these little ponds and stuff, back in the, in the caves, they don't even have eyes. Because what good does eyes do in the darkness? And so when people are in darkness, the light that shines upon them, even if it's a little flicker of a light, in way off in the distance, it is a hope. It is something to go towards. And this is the good news that we have. Good news is the light of Christ in my life has made, some, has made an impact upon me to set me free from the darkness by giving me light to my path, that he has helped me to move uh, out of the prisons of what, were, what was holding me back. And then to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We live in the divine favor of God. We're his special, special child. Remember, uh, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> your picture would be on it, you know, because you're his special child. I'm his favorite child. You know, uh, and, and, and I know I'm my mom's favorite child. Why? Because everybody told me, you know, and they were right. So and, you know, here I am telling you, you're the favorite child, and everybody's telling you that, and guess what? We're right. You are God's favorite child. He loves you. He loves you more than we can ever imagine. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He has a will for us. And we go on through here, and we see what this good news does. Uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. You know, what about all those people who do all these nasty things to people? Guess what? God is going to exact punishment when it's all said and done and the world is done and there's a judgment seat, the great white throne judgment that people have to face. So it's, we don't need to worry about judgment. We need, to worry, we need to focus on grace and mercy. God will take care of those who need to be taken care of the way that their atrocities or whatever their mindset was. God knows it and God will exact what it is. We need to look at our own lives and be at peace and recognize that we are under his favor to comfort all who mourn, to comfort those who have experienced loss, 
whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whether it's loss of a dream, loved one, friendship, moving, <laughs> age, it doesn't matter. Comfort. Comfort those who mourn. And provide for those who grieve. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That we have a crown of beauty. You know, you really got a nice crown up there, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You got a really pretty crown. Of what for? For the ashes. The ashes that we have experienced in life are the things that kind of got burned up. <laughs> the, the things that didn't work too well and kind of fell apart and got taken away. Well, there's, there's beauty for ashes. God's beauty. And the oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. You see, divine favor tells us here that we are proclaiming God's year in our own lives to comfort, to provide, to bestow, to bring gladness and to um, and, 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 an arrangement of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So we look at this and look at what God has done in our life. Look at what God has provided for us. Look at how God has done a work in our lives. It has been something that has changed us from the inside out. It is one that has given us hope and, you know, and, and recognition that this life is a preparation for the next. But in this preparation, no good thing will he withhold from us. No no good thing will God withhold from our lives. No good thing. And so here we are recognizing what the good news is. What is the good news to your life? What is the good news to you and your revelation? The revelation of God to your heart. What is that good news that he has spoken to you? Is it opportunity? Is it forgiveness? Is it love? Is it recognizing that my name is in God's book of life? Is it, you know, there's many things that we can look at, but no good thing is he going to withhold from us. And he said, instead of a spirit of despair, they will, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Got your little acorn? Hold it up. Yeah, hold your acorn up. There you go. Didn't think you could hold a big old tree, did you? Do you know how to get an elephant in a, in a tree? You plant the acorn and set the elephant down. And wait for it to grow. <laughs> That's really dumb, Pastor. Well, <laughs> well... Sometimes we think that's how we become righteous, you know. It's a long process. Well, God is our righteousness. And you see, you're holding within your hands what the, 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 he calls us here, that we, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Oaks of righteousness. How big can this little seed get? Well, you know what? If you put it in a little pot, it won't get too big. But if you put it in a bigger pot, it'll get a little bigger. But if you go plant it somewhere where the sky's the limit, this thing can become huge. And how many acorns can come from a tree? If you have any doubt about how many acorns can come from a tree, 
we have a whole bank full over there. <laughs> and you can get bushel basket after bushel basket after bushel basket of acorns from a few trees. And you can get them every year. So here we are, the oaks of righteousness. We are the oaks of righteousness. And we have to get over the idea that I'm just a little seed planted in a little flower plot, plot, pot, and I can only get so big. You see, we don't know the potential it's in this little seed. Bob, where's, he's in the back there. How many trees do you have planted? Come from those acorns. You know, Bob and Trish, they, they sometimes, whenever we're throwing the acorns away, we take them out to Bobby's place and pull them, throw them away. He has all kinds of trees out there. <laughs> he has all kinds of trees growing out there. And then the squirrels and the birds and whatever, the deer, they're all coming and eat, eating them. But there's all these trees growing out there. Came from these little seeds. We have friends that come and pick these up, take them out on the hill, and they plant them <laughs> out, on, out in the forest and things. They plant these seeds because they know what they can become. They know that it's going to give oaks of righteousness. They know that the seeds from this is going to feed the turkeys and feed the deer and, and it's going to take care of the wild animals and the squirrels and all that stuff. It, all this is just from the planting a few of these. You are the oak of righteousness. You're not some little seed laying around on a beach somewhere in the sand, can't get, a, can't get a foothold anywhere. God has planted you in his vineyard, in his patch, in his field of righteousness. He has planted us. And, you know, years ago, whenever they were uh, doing experiments in, in uh, like trying to live, you know, what would it be like to live on Mars and all those places? And they put people in these bubbles and, you know, in these confined areas and artificial light and artificial this and that. And they planted trees. And when the trees grew, you, remember, you know what happened to the trees? Pardon? The, bland, the branches broke just from the leaves because there was no wind. <laughs> there was no wind. When there was no wind, there was no strength in the trees. In our lives, it's the same thing. We think the winds of adversity, oh, God's against me. No, God is just making you strong. The difficulties in our life prove to us what the righteousness of God is about. It's about strength. It's about power. It's about love. It's about forgiveness. It's about recognizing that God has a bountiful harvest for us. Well, we're just some old sapling. <laughs> You know, we're just a little sapling and we're not, t no, we're oaks of righteousness. And you see here, um, what have we got here? Proclaims the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to com comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow them on a crown, the oil of gladness, the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair, they will be called the oaks of righteousness. And the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. Hmm. You are a planting 
of the Lord. You're not a little acorn anymore. You are a tree. You know what? Tree that is planted by the river of life. (laughs) Psalm 1. Blessed is man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he will meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the river, and that seed that and, and its leaves and you know its fruit come and harvest and it's got life in it. And we're that tree planted by God. The seed that God has put in your life for some of us, well, my my parents, I was in church the second week. This I was born one, I don't know, during the week, and I was in church that Sunday. And I've been in church almost every every Sunday since. Uh, so my, it told me whenever my grandfather was, you know, in the coming, they would all go up to the altar and pray, and my grandfather would be raising his hands and coming to the, fa- coming to the altar. There was this little kid running behind him with his hands raised and going to the altar. <laughs> so I've been, been a sap for a long time, <laughs> 66 years, you know, we've been in church. But you see, it isn't that all that time God has planted in us a seed, a seed of righteousness, a seed that God is growing, a seed that makes a difference. And, and you see, how does a tree make a difference? It just is itself. Just being yourself. Being yourself and allowing God to speak through you. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. For the display of his splendor. Think of this. The oak tree's not out there saying, hey, look at me waving in the wind. <laughs> It's just, it is a display of God's splendor. You are a display of God's splendor. Huh, imagine that. You, me, each of us, his special child, we are a display of God's splendor. It is his divine favor that is, that is upon our lives. And we, you know, the fruit that we bear What happens to it? It falls on the ground. (laughs) You know, sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. (laughs) Enough of that. For the display of his righteousness, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. I was going to talk about Jeremiah. Nehemiah, excuse me. I was going to talk about Nehemiah and the book of Nehemiah, but I thought, I'll do that next week. <laughs> I, I, was doing, I was going to do Nehemiah for the sermon today, and then the Nehemiah was basically written, well, Nehemiah was uh, about 80 years uh, after this, and Nehemiah reads this and says, you know what, the walls around the city have to be rebuilt. And so, he was reading what God had put in place and he felt like he, that needed to be done. And you see, that's why we are the display of God's righteousness because we feel that God's love and forgiveness and God's grace and his mercy need to be displayed. We read about it and, and, and we need to be the display of it. We need to be the splendor of it. Just as natural as the oak tree produces acorns, We need to produce love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Just a natural part of who we are. And we are the display of God. 
blowing in the wind. <laughs> and every wind and trial that comes only makes us stronger because God is at work. His Spirit is inside of us. And, and there's a, a longing in our heart for the revelation of Jesus. And that revelation is grace and mercy, strength and power, forgiveness. So, in verse 7, I want to skip down to there. Well, we'll do verse 6. And you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. <laughs> what happened here was, they were going back to Jerusalem to build the city, Nehemiah, and other people were occupying the land and, 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 and so on, but he was saying that you people are going to go back to those lands and the people who have had your land, they're going to end up giving it to you. So you're going to live in houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat from the crops that you didn't plant. You're going to have a place that I'm going to give you that somebody occupied before. And in our life, God has his blessings in store for us. And you look around and say, well, I don't have many blessings, but God does. And where does he say he can get them from? They're going to come from the hand of God. So here we are, being ourselves, <laughs> blown in the wind, producing fruit. It's going to fall from our trees, and people are going to pick it up. And you know what? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> And we usually say that about kids and descendants and so on. Well, you know what? That's a good thing. Because when they eat of the fruit of your righteousness, they eat of the, of the fruit of your forgiveness, they eat of the fruit of your love that comes from God that's been nurturing your tree, your life. Our branch has been grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ, and we have life, and we have an abundance, and it's a good news. The good news that God is alive and blessing and he's going to bless you right out of your socks. He's going to bless you from your roots to your highest limb. <laughs> Amen. He's going, to <laughs> he's going to give you his blessing and his power and his influence because it's his to give. We're not earning it. We're just allowing it to flow through us. And so... Take the seed that you have. What are you going to do with it? What's that? Plant it over there in the field where the church owns and I have to cut around it. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to do with it? We're going to plant it. And, and you know what? Plant it. Plant it in a little pot in your house and keep it through the winter. And then in the spring when it's sprouted and got some substance to it, Go plant it somewhere. See what happens. Protect it from the deer and all that stuff. And see what happens. How big can this thing get? How big can this little seed get? Well, you know, if you plant it in the right place, <laughs> if you plant it where it can get the right amount of sun and the right amount of nourishment, this can be a great oak tree. And that's us, the planting of the Lord, becoming the good news of Jesus Christ to all nations, beginning with our own family, friends, our own circle of influence. Amen? Shall we stand?
And if any of you would like to have numerous plantings, <laughs> there's a whole bushels and bushels of acorns over there you can take. And uh, <laughs> take and plant them to your heart's desire. So, Father, thank you for the blessings of this day that we are the planting of the Lord. We are his righteousness. We are recipients of his divine favor. God, we thank you that we are the favor of God. Thank you that we are your favorite child. We thank you that you hear our prayers and know our needs. And, Lord, you desire to fulfill them. Bless us now, O God, that we might be blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.